Hey everybody, this is Mark. If you're a veteran, at some point you've likely had a tough time sleeping, whether or not that's you know from from stress related to a deployment or just being out in the field for for weeks at a time where you're having uh, you're already working long hours and just getting a little bit of sleep and trying to readjust to a normal sleep schedule. At some point, you've probably just had a, a tough time sleeping. That's a totally normal thing. I know I personally went through a really tough time uh, starting on and then continuing past a deployment. And once that bad sleep cycle starts, it just becomes this vicious cycle. You wake up, you're tired, you're concerned because you didn't sleep well last night and that creates anxiety and depression. And then you make poor choices about you know food and alcohol related to that, which then makes your sleep worse. And then you get anxiety about sleep coming up and then you wake up and you have a, you had a bad night's sleep. So it's just, it's terrible all the way around. So I know when I, when I recognized that that was going on in myself, I was like, I got, I got to put a full court press and in, in trying to stop this. And I, I tried a bunch of different things. And the one thing that I, I found that really helped uh, put me back onto a healthy sleep schedule was a stuff called Doc Persley's sleep remedy. All right. Now, what is it? Okay. Um, so Doc Parsley is a former Navy SEAL and he saw in his own teammates how much sleep mattered. And so when, when he got out of the Navy, he kind of made it his, his mission to, to focus on sleep because it's such an important thing. And so this stuff, it comes in two different forms. You can take it in a pill or you can take it in a, a powder. Uh, it's it like a tea. So I would make a nice warm drink before I go to bed. You know, my, my girlfriend would totally make fun of me because I'd be like wrapped up in a blanket drinking this, this hot tea. But what it does is it, it's all naturally occurring stuff inside of your body and it helps promote naturally occurring hormones inside of your body that helps you fall asleep. It doesn't make you groggy. It doesn't knock you out. It causes your body to fall asleep naturally and have better night's sleep. And I use this stuff for a few months and it really put me back onto a normal schedule. And so if you're having a tough time sleeping, I strongly encourage you to look it up. And when you go to the checkout, use the code VETERANPRO10 to get 10% off of your order. Now, additionally, look out for their subscription, okay? If you sign up for the subscription, you're going to save an additional 10%. So couple that with the uh, the Veteran Pro 10 discount code, and you're looking at a pretty cool savings, all right? So go check it out. Doc Parsley's Sleep Remedy. Thanks. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Mark, and this is the Veteran Semi-Professional where I take a longer, deeper look at some of the issues related to having a successful military transition. And today's topic is a really important one, resumes. If you've been in the military, you probably have zero experience writing a resume. And if you have been, you probably need to update it before you get out of the military. So today's, off, today's guest is a fantastic resource to help you with that. Make sure you have a successful military transition. All right, so who is he? This is Scott Vetter. He's the author of Signs of a Great Resume the number one best-selling resume book on Amazon. He conducted over 5,000 interviews as a Fortune 100 recruiter. Scott now serves as a professional speaker, consultant, and expert on resumes, interviews, and career transitions with a focus on helping military veterans succeed in the civilian workforce. His expertise has been sought out by the Office of the First Lady and the Office of the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Scott's expertise has been recognized by the Commit Foundation, American Corporate Partners, the Society for Human Resource Management, and many others. Scott released an updated version of his original book titled Signs of a Great Resume, Veterans Edition. So Scott, welcome to the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. Excited to be here. I, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, so just to let the audience know, tell us a bit about your background, how you got involved in working with veterans. 
Yeah. So I was a, like you said, recruiter. And what I realized is most people's resumes are pretty awful. And that's not unique to veterans or civilians. It's just most people didn't know what I was looking for. So I wrote signs of a great resume to vent my own frustrations chiefly, but also I knew I would help people. And when I went on the book tour, I'd always meet vets and they'd say, hey, what about us? It's different for our resumes. And I'd say, what do I know? I didn't serve. But my dad and my grandfather both did. They were both Army E6s when they got out and nobody helped them. There were no transition podcasts or, you know, service programs and, um, you know, skill bridge in the Vietnam era or World War II. So they struggled. And I made up my plan to help today's vets have a different story if I have anything to say about it. So uh, it's such a pleasure to now be regarded as an expert in this space uh, and to be able to connect with so many veterans uh, on their transition journey. Well, you know, I, I sincerely appreciate the, the efforts that you're making. Um, I know in starting this site and this podcast, a good number of the people that have reached out to me haven't even been veterans. They've been family members or friends of veterans. And it's just good to see that that, that military community doesn't stop at just the people who wore the uniform. And it really involves everybody around them in, in making that good support network. So I appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, I've come to know that military service really is a family affair. And, you know, I wrote a whole chapter in Signs of a Great Resume, Veterans Edition, just for military spouses, these heroes at home who help support the mission and their service member. And unfortunately, the unemployment and underemployment rate of military spouses is way way too high. And I think we have a lot of progress we can make there. Uh, So using what I uh, teach as part of Science of a Great Resume can certainly help spouses in their career journey as well. That's great. Okay. So we're going to get right into it. If you had your number one takeaway for writing a successful resume, where would you start off? Well, the most important thing to remember is that a resume is not a job description. You know, if all you do is write down your MOS or whatever your VMAT says from your military service, that's not good enough because everyone who held the same MOS could write the same thing. It's the same in the civilian world. You know, if a teacher wrote taught English classes, graded papers, and tracked grades, well, lovely. That's the job description of a teacher. But that's not enough to know, should I hire this particular teacher? So on a resume, the most important thing you can do is to use what I call the signs of a great resume to articulate and quantify the specific examples about the skills and experiences that make you a And the signs of a great resume, if you look down at your keyboard, they're actually above the numbers one through five. The exclamation point is the first of the signs of a great resume. It's like, wow, look at what I did. Nobody else could say this. Those really extraordinary moments of your career that were amazing. The at symbol is next. It's above the number two. So at what point you gain the most relevant experience. And then some numbers, dollars, and percent that help to quantify and describe your experience in a way that only you can say. When you use the signs of a great resume, your resume will speak for itself because you'll give specific details about what makes you a great fit for the job. No, that that's perfect. And I, I especially love the the number, dollar, and percentage piece in there because you know, like you were talking about writing the job description for your MOS, everyone's going to be the same. But in performing your duties in your job in the military, you made some type of impact. You you know led X Y Z number of people. You performed so many missions with a certain type of success rate or whatever it is. You have some type of metrics that set you apart from somebody else. And that's like the, the digits that people want to see to understand who you are as a candidate. 
Exactly. And some of those may be examples you recorded on your fit reps or evals. Uh, the numbers and dollars, they can be a great way to quantify, but it's not the only way. And some numbers and dollars just don't necessarily show why you're a great fit. You know, I was working with a senior officer from the acquisitions world, and, you know, he's responsible for a billion dollar portfolio of purchases, but there's not a billion dollar, billion dollar portfolio of most anything in a lot of civilian jobs. Yeah, so yeah. it's not always the top level dollar amount that we need to hear about. It's what you did. So I would rather that officer tell me, oh, you know, I found a way to save a million dollars by improving the way we purchased this or by reducing redundancies and that kind of thing. Um, the first of the signs of a great resume is the exclamation point, because you don't always need a number of dollar to show what makes you really well qualified. I was working with an aide-de-camp for a, a general in the army, and this service member said, you know, well, I don't quantify a lot of what I do. A lot of it's about influence and, and shaping opinions, and that is the exclamation point moment. Uh, that is, wow, look at the ability for me to navigate a complex relationship, to build trust, and to influence a senior executive is certainly something notable. One quick note here. The signs of a great resume are a metaphor. Please don't actually write exclamation points all over your resume. It'll feel like you're yelling at me. Okay, good, 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 good. Good disclaimer to have for everybody out there. Appreciate that. Okay, let's get to the second point. So how do I, how do I translate my military skills so that a civilian recruiter is going to understand what I did while I was in the uniform? Sure. So you have to, of course, realize that most civilians have not served in the military, with less than one half of 1% serving, and something less than 7% of us even veteran connected. It's not really good odds that the civilians going to deeply understand the military. So what I want you to do when you start to think about describing your military experience is just for a moment, close your eyes and picture somewhere in your life an 11-year-old child whose parents are not in the military. Can you picture that kid? that kid knows about as much about the military as most civilian adults. You cannot trust us to know what in the world you're talking about unless a fifth grader would understand you. So you have to pass what I call the smart fifth grader test with every word you write on your resume. And there are just three simple questions on the smart fifth grader test. Question one, are you using simple language? Language so clear, any 11-year-old would get it. And that means even words you use every day, like deploy, which to you might mean get sent somewhere. To me, I think you mean how parachutes work, they deploy. You know, if you say joint, then you mean interagency. Well, I probably mean arthritis or marijuana. So you can't take even the simplest of words for granted. Simplify it to the 11-year-old level. And if the person reading it happens to be a veteran, they'll understand it too. The second question for the smart fifth grader test is, are you broadcasting good news only? Now, I recognize the business of fighting war is not always good news. I get it. But I don't need to hear about knocking down doors and finding bad guys or anything like it. What I want to know is, how did you make the world a better place? What did you do to help people or things improve? And how did you do your job more effectively or efficiently? That's the good news. And lastly, are you getting to the point quickly? Because both an 11-year-old and a recruiter have a super short attention span. So I'm told there's a military term that works nicely here. Bluff, bottom line up front. That's kind of the way I want you to think about phrasing each bullet on your resume. The way I think that way about bluff as a civilian is tell me a fairy tale backwards. They all lived happily ever after. Good news, because once upon a time, eh, here's some details if you need it. That's good. That's good. And 
you know, talking about speaking and, and crafting your message to your audience, we all did that at some different point in, in our service, right? You know, I would talk to my commanding officer differently than I would talk to even my battalion commander, who I would then talk very differently to if I'm talking to my machine gunner down on a range, right? Each one of those is a different audience, and I had to tailor my message for each one of those people. And we have experience doing that. It's just, this is a totally different audience. Yeah, and tailoring your resume is the right word to use. It's not fundamentally different than tailoring clothes in that it'd be ridiculous for you to wake up every morning and try to manufacture new clothes to wear, so you don't. But periodically, you tailor them so they fit just right. And the same is true of your resume. You are going to tailor it to adapt to the audience, and um, that's in part by you know trying to match some of the job description if you have a job posting you're applying to and align your specific skills, experiences, and examples with what the audience, the hiring manager or recruiter is looking for. And when you tailor your resume, you don't have to start from scratch. You can have a base resume that you build upon and then tailor it, you know, tuck in the cuffs and raise the hem like you would on uh, clothes just so that it matches what your audience needs to hear. Okay. Okay. To continue along the uh, talking to a fifth grader analogy here, if, if I'm talking to a fifth grader and they know a little bit about the military, they probably, they probably know some words like, leadership. They probably think values. They probably think people with a strong moral compass. How do I try and translate and ensure that those, those attributes of military service are translated to a civilian looking at my resume? Yeah, I think this is super important because I think a lot of civilian employers will agree with me. Veterans are some of our best employees in the civilian workforce. They're just not always the strongest job candidates, and in part, it's because there's not clarity around how to describe those traits, that moral compass. And so what I've designed is a quick little acronym to think about the types of things you should include on your resume, and it talks to those uh, leadership traits that I think are a part of what most veterans bring to the workforce. And the acronym is very simple. I want you to tell recruiters, I am a patriot. So the P is I possess values whether those are the values of your branch or your individual values you've developed. The A is I'm accountable, I am trainable, I'm respectful, I take initiative, I'm on time, and I'm a team player. It spells out patriot. And that's really what I think the, the heart of what makes veterans a strong component of the civilian workforce are these patriot qualities. So when you explain and articulate examples of how you've demonstrated those patriot attributes on your resume, you'll be showing us what you in particular as a veteran bring to the civilian workforce. Well, we just love acronyms. Anytime you can put something in an acronym for us, <laughs> it just works out perfectly, you know? Good, good. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm, I'm going through and I'm crafting my resume. Where do I get the meat potatoes? Like, where do I go to find the stuff that I did to figure out how, what actually is going to go in there? Well, there's good news here. You've been writing a bunch of content that could be part of your resume for your entire military career. You can go back and look at your evals, fit reps, and other documentation you may have to see where you may already have written some great examples of what you were doing in the moment. And Uncle Sam is a meticulous record keeper. So if you don't have a copy of your eval from 10 years ago, uh, the National Archives do. So go ahead and you can log on to their site for directions on how to pull those. Um, there's also resources through the VA that help you get your training documentation together. Uh, and you can talk about specific uh, training and programs that you've learned over the, the years. 
And that's through the Veterans One Source portal on the VA. And then if you also go back and ask people you work with, you know, think about talking with your commanding officer or a leader you worked with, a peer, or even a partner that you worked with across another branch of service or in the civilian world. Ask for opportunities where it made a difference that you were involved and, you know, what they perceive your great contribution to be as part of the work. No, that's great. That's really good. Because uh, you're right. The, the information is there. And now it's just a matter of putting it into the right format and addressing your audience and tailoring your shirt. All right. Exactly. Okay. So here's a, here's a problem that I have. I'm a former infantryman. All right. That can be a difficult skill set to try and translate. Or maybe you're a former fighter pilot or you're a radar operator and a destroyer. So how do I try and translate what I did into the military especially if I want to go into something that is totally unrelated to what I did while I was serving. Sure. And this is, I would say the case for the majority of veterans that I work with, you know, I work with a lot of Navy SEALs who want to be management consultants and green berets who want to go into private equity. And you got to figure they're not exactly sitting around McKinsey, Bain and BCG going, you know, who I really hope applies is a Navy SEAL. Right. That might not be the first thought out of their mind, although if their eyes are open, there are probably some really talented SEALs and others uh, working with them already. Um, But what you may know as the traditional layout of a resume is called a reverse chronological format. Here's the job I have now. Here's what I did before then and before that. And that's fine when the next job relates to what you do today. So if you're a JAG who wants to be a lawyer or a hospital corpsman who wants to go to nursing school, great. What you do is part of what qualifies you for the next step. But when you're an army ranger who wants to go to an MBA program at Stanford, that's not maybe as clear. So using something like a functional resume format can be a way to express the qualities you possess and the skills you bring from any job that you have done. A functional resume, think of it kind of like your greatest hits album if you were a musical artist. You're going to say, here are the things that I am good at doing, no matter where I am good at doing them. And you're going to start your resume with, I call them buckets, three buckets of skills that describe what you bring to the next opportunity. Very importantly here, the filter for what skills you describe is not about what you can do. The filter for your entire resume, in fact, is what can you do for me, the prospective employer? So you may highlight skills like Operational leadership. Let's talk about infantry, right? An infantry officer or NCO is very much an operational leader. And so maybe the way to describe infantry officer is something more like frontline operational leadership. Give discrete examples of how you have led teams in any scenario, whether you're marching across the land or uh, you're doing training here at home. um, You can give me a clear picture of the ways you've led irrespective of the job that you did along the way. Other categories of buckets may be influencing stakeholders for someone who wants to go into consulting. Maybe there's a real technical bucket. Um, You know, I I worked with an installation commander who's going to go into city management. So part of his picture that we painted was around city management tasks. And what is it like to run a fire department on a military base? And how does that relate to why you might be a great city manager? Uh, When you break out those buckets of skills first with the examples, that's really what a functional resume looks like. And it kind of drives recruiters crazy if that's all you write. So you would still go on to give a work history where you'd have a brief kind of description of the major chapters of your career 
And you can still highlight the types of jobs you did and give some context for where you achieved the skills that you're calling out in your buckets. That, super helpful, super helpful. And, and for the audience listening right now, uh, a lot of these tactics and techniques and everything and all the resources and everything listed by Scott, I'll put links to in the show notes so that you can, you can follow along, go back through here and, you know, break out and do re- individual research as you're listening to this or, or go back through and good, find the great resources that he's talking about. Well, Scott, this kind of, this wraps it up right now. So uh, if you have anything else that you'd like to talk about with the, with the audience, here's a, here's a great chance to do it. Yeah. You know, I think it's important to hear that it is okay to ask for help. You know, you are not supposed to be an expert in writing resumes. Uh, that is not what you have developed the skill set around in your military career. And I'll relay a quick story. I was working with a retired two-star coming out of Army Special Forces. And he said to me, Scott, for the first time in a long time, I didn't feel like such a smart guy last week because I walked into AT&T and I do not know how to buy a cell phone. The Army has handed me every cell phone I've ever owned. Can you imagine how I feel trying to write a resume? And I mentioned that to say, if you feel like this is difficult, if you feel like this is difficult or you feel like this is an uphill climb, you're in good company. Very talented and smart people also have some worries and just you know, are bothered by and, and curious about how to write a resume the right way. Well, I'm here to help you. And there are many organizations who are here to help as well. So you can log on to my website and find a couple of organizations that I support in particular. It's scottvetter.com. And uh, there are also great mentorship organizations out there that you can reach out to for some formal and informal mentorship to help you along your journey. There's no different than with anything else. You need people who are experts of what they're good at doing to support you on this next important chapter of your mission. And people like me are so pleased to help you. So thank you for what you're doing and uh, good luck on the next chapter of your success in your career. Scott, I really appreciate it. And thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you, Mark. Take care. Yeah, you too.